Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 94, presented by OptumX Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you all the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU college hockey. A little bit of a lighter week in the, the college hockey world, given what we got to watch today. I mean, all you can ask for in some offseason to have a tournament like we had the final of the World Cup of University Hockey being played between USA and Canada. I know you got to catch the game today on the stream, but first thoughts from the tournament. It's definitely been a treat. You know, now we're we're really getting settled into the off season. There's there's not going to be much hockey going around. So a little bit sad, but it, it was also cool to, to see the season end with a with a World Cup. So can't ask for more. Before we dive into the tournament, what have things been like at Villanova lately? Not much has really been happening since since the last recording. But over the past weekend, or I got to film some some club lax versus Towson, which was a, a good time. It was like. 95 degrees on the turf though so that kind of sucked and then on monday we had our first round of playoffs intramural softball and then uh lost in the first round we we absolutely got rinsed unfortunately you know good season nonetheless for the softball boys i had a, I had a big turnaround compared to last seasons spent a lot of time in the cage you know doing all that stuff taking some dry cuts whatever but yeah how, how's it been up at cuse it's good kind of a busy week it was huge on the academic side of things lots of like capstone senior portfolio all that stuff coming to a close so last week was a gong show in the library was the goal was to spend at least two hours a day there i think some days i got up to four or five hours which was good had a couple of date nights and formals too we did our hockey date night to celebrate the end of the year which was always nice that's a good one got to catch a little bit of the police versus fire game that barstool streamed unbelievable production that was fun to watch if, if you didn't get to check it out i highly encourage you to do so but biz and wit on the call was unbelievable and like i mentioned the production was very good you would have thought there with tnt and just to, to watch that we were kind of watching that while getting ready for the date night so like you mentioned it was nice to kind of have this treat of some competitive acha hockey to watch this week as we mentioned usa defeated canada for nothing today as we're recording in the gold medal game unbelievable tournament in carta romania i believe this is the first edition of the world cup of university of hockey the teams competing in this one we had hungary sweden canada czech republic romania poland united states and slovakia were the eight teams divided up in two pools got things started off first day of the tournament we had usa just throttling sweden honestly thought we were in for a long tournament when i saw the score that usa won 11 to 1 against sweden we're beating sweden 11 to 1 what's the rest of this tournament gonna look like thankfully for us fans watching we were treated to a great game in game two the host country romania sold out barn and they upset canada defeating the canadians 5-4 in overtime in front of a sold out crowd which was awesome to see people worried putting canada on their toes early on in this tournament they were able to bounce back the next day they throttled poland by a score of 10 to 3 they were in cruise control from there usa defeated hungary in a nail biter 3 to 2 in the final day of pool play canada actually came from behind to beat czech republic they were down 4 to 2 with about 4 minutes left uh they scored two unanswered followed up by a goal late in the game Take the lead won it in regulation 5-4 and then because poland beat romania later in the day they actually clinched the number one seed in their pool and they avoided having to play the u.s in the first round which was not only good 
for them, but good for the tournament as well because we ultimately got USA Canada in the championship game, the gold medal game. I'm curious what level of hockey these other countries brought. You know, in the United States, we brought the highest level of non-varsity college hockey we could. Was surprised that, you know, Sweden wasn't wasn't as good as I thought they were going to be, but Romania and Hungary were very good. So I'm curious. We'll have to get some of those guys on and, and figure out what level of college hockey those guys are playing over in Europe. Yeah, I, I actually did a little bit of research after the game because I was like really, really intrigued about how the tournament worked and what's like schools these these guys were coming from, because obviously in Europe, college athletics is not as as big of a deal as it is here in the US, uh, a little bit less so in Canada, even compared to the US. But they play in this league called the EUHL, the European Union Hockey League, and it's all, all the teams that you mentioned. So Sweden, Poland. Uh, Romania, all that stuff. And so I guess it works very similar to like an ACHA format, you know, where it's kind of like a a national league in that sense. I mean, because I imagine geography wise, it's probably about the same same amount of travel. But so it was pretty interesting. And I know you mentioned that you said this was the first I, I found out this is the second there was one in 2018. ACHA was invited in 2018. There was no Team Canada, just Team USA. Take a stab at who the winners were. You asking me that makes me think that it wasn't the US. It was probably a non-traditional hockey market. So I'm going to go. I'm guessing Hungary beat Czech Republic in the final. Wrong. We lost to the Russians. Interesting. The Russians won the tournament and they didn't come back. The Russians, they play in this league called the the SHL, which is the Student Hockey League. And I was looking at pictures and they were decked out in the full Russian national team uniform that, you know, you see them wear at the IIHF and at the Olympics uh, every year. So I thought that was cool. My only one gripe with the tournament is that USA and Canada were not wearing the official USA hockey and Canada hockey sweaters, but absolute amazing tournament. I will say, Jog did a phenomenal job. I liked the USA jerseys. It was kind of bummed that it was pretty much just the Columbus template. We actually never got to see the Navy Blues. You know, if you follow USA Hockey, it's actually a good thing because I think the white helmets look really bad with the Navy Blue uniforms, no matter what team is on the ice for USA. But Canada, we got to see the Reds, which, you know, one of the best looking jerseys in hockey when you got Canada with the red and the black shoulders and the black gear. Those looked really good. I thought I would give Canada the advantage in the jersey department. I was talking to Paul Hebert from the ACHA. They hired an artist to do the the mock-up of the USA logo and the Team Canada logo. But like you mentioned, it would have been cooler if they could have used the USA Hockey logos or the Hockey Canada. But I'm sure it was an amazing experience nonetheless. Cool little barn, too, they had. Watching the commercials, they played it at a hockey academy in Romania. And, like, perfect size barn. You know, one of those old-school half-domed. The crowds looked unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was packed. I mean, just watching on the live stream, you couldn't really see like where the bleachers stopped. Like this was a stadium just packed with people and it it looked just absolutely awesome. Back to the jerseys, though. One thing I do want to mention, props to the designer, really keeping with the big theme of 2022 slash 2023. I was getting a bit of a Top Gun vibe from that logo, so... Very patriotic, yeah. very Top Gun. USA brought home a bunch of awards at the end of the tournament. Brody Selman was named the tournament MVP for the Americans. He had a great tournament from the University of Arizona. He actually played in the Maccabi Games with his teammate, Jesse Lowell. So they've won gold medals and back-to-back off-seasons, which is really cool for them. Definitely going to have to get those boys on at some point. And then UNLV goalie Landon Pavlison 
brought home the championship game MVP award. Really cool for him, you know, division three transfer at the start of the year when he transferred into UNLV. I'm not sure he expected to be representing his country on a national stage like this one. You could probably go down the list. There was plenty of guys, you know, Roman Kramer, NCAA guy turned ACHA guy. Now is the opportunity to represent his country. Just a really cool opportunity that those guys got to have and i'm sure we'll hear plenty of the stories um, they're probably running around the streets of romania right now with that trophy um as we speak not sure what time the flight is but want to give a huge shout out to craig barnett and paul hebert for giving us access to the photos the live stream everything so that we could continue to follow the tournament from over here in the states it was a light week in the news but some big news all around keep with the theme of the arizona boys Arizona announced that they are going to play an exhibition game against Arizona State's NCAA Division One team next year. Collins, I want to get your thoughts on this one. What were you, what was your first reaction when you saw the breaking news? I thought this was kind of a move by Arizona State to try and pull Arizona into maybe potentially looking at going NCAA D1. The Wildcats have had solid success. I agree with what you're saying. I Not only do I think this is to pull in Arizona, I pulled up the Arizona State schedule from this past year. And if you're trying to get college students in Arizona to go to a hockey game, I don't think it's the Bemidji States, the Colgates, the Alaska Anchorages, the Clarksons, the University of New Hampshire's like those aren't the games that people are getting up for. You bring in Arizona, that place is going to be so rowdy. They're going to get up for the big games like that. And I think, like you mentioned, it's really good for people to see Arizona on a bigger stage like that. I mean, we keep seeing the clips on Chicklets of Grinelli talking about how he wants, you know, Arizona, UNLV, those teams to go Division One NCAA. I think this is the first step towards it. They're getting that rink, too. I think it's going to be like 3,000 seat arena in Tucson. I think all signs are pointing towards them going down that road in the future, but we'll have to keep an eye out for it. Definitely something we're going to have to watch next season. I don't think they've announced a date for it yet. I would imagine that's a sold-out game and a perfect preseason game if you're ASU. Yeah, 100%. ASU, please send us tickets. This is huge for for the ACHA. and Should be a good one. Um, sticking with the theme of Division One hockey, we're going to transition to AAU college hockey. And following the Frozen Four, there were rumors of the University of Binghamton preparing to add Division One NCAA hockey. That was confirmed a couple days later. Binghamton University Athletic Director Gene Marshall said in an interview that the school is planning to add both men's ice hockey and women's field hockey as soon as the 2024 2025 academic year this one i think it would be really good for college hockey i talk all the time about how syracuse should have an ncaa division one team binghamton is right up there very close uh to the schools in new york you think about all the teams in atlantic hockey i think they would be a perfect fit in that conference with niagara canisius rit cornell clarkson a little further away but all the schools in this area I think it's a no-brainer for them, especially with AHL hockey gone. I would, lo- I wish Fitz were here for this one because I think the success the team has had in the Fed and the attendance that they've drawn has got to be an eye-opener for the school. You combine that with the fact that Binghamton has played in the last two national championship games, bringing home the title this past year in AAU college hockey. I think they they see the writing on the wall and it's time to bring college hockey back to Binghamton. The first thing I thought when I saw that was, wow, that's a quick turnaround. How are they going to get a stadium? You know, going to get all that stuff. And then I realized, oh, the Black Bears. This is huge for college hockey. The fact that a group of kids being coached by their buddies, 
caused the athletic director to, you know, take a look at taking this team D1. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the same guys, but it's unbelievable. And I am just ecstatic to, you know, hopefully see that in 2024, 2025. Speaking of universities adding hockey teams, we want to give stick taps to the University of Houston. The UH ice hockey team has been approved as a sports club by UH Campus Recreation and the sports club administration. All that's left for the boys to do is become an official registered student organization. Very big news. I remember when Syracuse was in March Madness a couple of years ago, and I had the keys to the Twitter account, and you're trying to tweet at the schools that also have hockey teams in the tournament. And we got to play Houston, and I go to look them up, and I can't even find anything about Houston having a hockey team. So that was always kind of a bummer that they didn't have one. Now with all this talk of maybe Houston's going to get an NHL team down the road, love to see the student body coming together and I think bringing back Houston club hockey. I'm not sure if they had a team beforehand, but they already have some sweet Jersey designs by X jerseys and uh, all signs are pointing towards them having a team. It would be a huge turnaround if they could get it ready in time for next season. We saw that happen with Baylor. We saw that happen with Oklahoma state. They were able to do it very timely over the off season. So I hope university of Houston can do the same thing here. Moving along in stick taps. We want to give a shout out to the newly inducted ACHA hall of famers. There's three people going into the ACHA Hall of Fame this year. Two as builders, one as a player. We start with Christian Wilk. Coach Wilk was the former head coach at Kent State in the late 90s, early 2000s. He then transitioned over to coaching at John Carroll University, retired from the helm in 2018. He spent 25 years behind the bench in ACHA Men's Division One, Heck of a career, a guy who's well-deserving of this, but maybe not as well-deserving as this next guy on the list. Greg Powers is going in. This feels like a no-brainer. We already talked about Arizona State earlier in the episode, but the things that Greg has done for not only the ACHA, but college hockey as a whole, um, is awesome and, and happy to see him in there. And then the third one really raises an eyebrow. We have Jonathan Thibodeau, a player from Saginaw Valley State University. He played on the team from 2006 to 2012, winning the ACHA Men's Division Three Player of the Year Award three times in 2009, 2010, and 2012. Unbelievable career here. He's, I, we talk about all, all the time about who has the ACHA games played record. It might be this guy, Jonathan Thibodeau, right here. Props to him. That's an unreal career, and uh, I'm sure the Hall is happy to have him. Yeah, I'm double-checking on Elite Prospects right now. 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, and then 2011. Six years. Wow. He played for the Green Mountain Glades in the EJHL back in 0506. The old EJ from Harper Woods, Michigan. Congratulations to all the inductees going in. Coach Powers and Jonathan Thibodeau will be honored at this year's ACHA Coaches Meeting. Christian Wilk is going to be honored next year in the 2024 Coaches Meeting. Also want to give stick taps to our designer, Joe Grogan. He helped us out with the national tournament. Unbelievable photos and did some great work for us while we were in Marlboro. He stepped up to the plate and made championship graphics for not only team usa but he had one ready for team canada if they were to win to stayed up until the wee hours of the morning to get it done so we want to make sure we gave him a shout out for it and we appreciate the help and of course we appreciate the help from our sponsor optimex sports they provide teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website now it's time to start looking at your website we got club officers coming in there's new captains new coaches make sure your website is in order this offseason you can do so by heading to optimex sports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. They've got the new features that we're really excited about. They've been in the works for a really long time. You now have the ability to sell tickets, sell merchandise, and even make payments through your website. 
working on some unbelievable features where you can sell stuff through a team store. And OptumX is going to have everything you need to make sure that your website is in the tip-top shape as we head into next season. That brings us to our guests this week. Two boys from the University of Massachusetts. They join the pod to recap their national championship season. Jack McGrath and Dan O'Leary coming up next on the Hockey House Pod. We're pleased to be joined by two members of the ACHA Men's Division II National Champions from the University of Massachusetts Minutemen, Senior Captains Jack McGrath and Dan O'Leary. Boys, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Psyched to have you guys on. It was awesome following along, you guys in Marlboro. I think as you guys went along in the tournament, there was this kind of anticipation from people like, oh, if UMass makes a run here, like that'd be really cool for them to win it on home ice. And sure enough, that's exactly what you guys did and seeing the crowd that you guys had, all the support. Jack, I I want ask you first what was it like kind of post national championship the the support you guys got on campus what was it like taking it home on home ice yeah i mean it was awesome man really an unreal feeling bringing it home in front of like you know our families and friends you know we all grew up playing in marlboro throughout our lives we always played at marlboro and then to kind of cap off our career there was it was awesome uh we ended up you know coming back to our house doing our little celebration after uh with all the people who came to the game so it it was pretty surreal dan any any big takeaways from you i know that reaction on twitter was crazy i know Grinelli retweeted our video and, and was pumped to see you guys win it in, in Massachusetts. And Coach Greg Carvel retweeted it too. Like, what what was it like seeing that support? You guys go through it like every other club hockey team in the country. Sometimes there's not the most support, but people are coming out of the woodwork to give you guys some love. Yeah, I mean, just out of like UMass Twitter accounts and stuff like that was pretty cool. We've had some spikes like the past couple of years. We got tweeted at by uh, like some big accounts. But so yeah, getting the recognition on like a school level was cool. But I think I said in the group chat, like the night of the game, I was like, you ever go on Twitter and it's just videos of you and the boys winning the Natty ship? Never seen anything like that. Like just scrolling and all I could see was people tweeting at us. So that was pretty special. It just made it feel like a lot bigger of a deal than uh, it really like felt like it was to other people before. Well, we loved it too, because sometimes when teams are like doing well and we're like tweeting, it'll get like five likes. But like every time we put out a video of you guys scoring, like like 10 retweets right away, like 50 likes. And it was like, oh, the UMass people are loving this right now. So we were just pumping it out. Were you guys on spring break the week before? Like, was this the first week back? What was that like? Yeah, so pretty much how it worked was um, like, it was like the second half of our spring break. I believe it was Thursday to Tuesday, right? So, you know, all our friends kind of went on spring break and they're like, oh, like, you know, where are you headed for uh, for spring break? You know, we're like, oh, we're actually heading to Marlboro, Massachusetts, which is going to be sweet. And, uh, and it ended up being unreal. But yeah, so so pretty much we had like the second half of our spring break was nationals. Because I remember I was talking to some guys in the DMs. They were saying that you guys actually had class the next day, right? You you had the national championship game and and then you had to go to class? Technically, we had to go to class. Uh, Monday was our first day back from break. And uh, obviously, you know, we got our shout out, our president, CJ Spillane, got us some excusal notes. Um, most of the professors were pretty good about it. Sent them out. Everyone like that I had to talk with was encouraging just said go get that championship all the fans and everyone that came to our game uh they came on a regular Tuesday school night, which was pretty cool. But technically, after our little celebration Tuesday night, we were supposed to be in class the next morning. I think it took me about a week to get back there. Where was like the spot for the trophy? Like when you guys got back to campus, what's like where where's the where are you taking the cup to first? It's funny that you ask because we've been in a little bit of a war with like the other houses, like getting the trophy to our house. It originally was at our house, uh, like me and Dan's house. You know, shout out Trey Peterson over at the uh, the Butterfield household. He took the trophy from us one time and uh, may have hit it in his attic just to kind of like mess with us. But yeah, it's like a little war to see like who gets to uh, to keep the, the trophy in their house. So what we're coming for. 
for him though. Yeah, we had uh, had a couple days with it just at the house. Uh, not everyone's 21, so we wanted to make sure all the younger guys got to like spend their time with it too. And then um, came around to Thursday night. We went down to the spoke, brought the trophy in. It's getting crazy now on Thursdays. You got to get there like six o'clock or you're waiting a two hour line. So we were there bright and early. Sun was still up sitting at a table with the trophy as everyone else walked in. It was pretty cool. Are you paying cover when you walk in with that thing? No, there's no cover there, luckily. But yeah, we definitely got got some looks on the way in. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's walk through how you guys ended up at UMass. I know, like you mentioned, both seniors from Massachusetts and getting to grow up in Marlboro. Walk us through kind of towards high school, you know, playing U18s. What led you to go to UMass? Jack, I'll start with you. Yeah, so I ended up um, playing two years uh, at my local high school, uh, Minichog Regional High School. I'm sure you probably never heard of it. It's out in uh, Western Mass outside of Springfield. And yeah, you know, my goal, obviously, like everybody else, is to play, you know, college hockey. And so I ended up leaving to go play for the Springfield Picks. And I played for them for uh, three years, two U18s, one U16. Kind of came down to a decision I had to make. If I wanted to keep playing juniors, I did like one gap year. I just wanted to potentially, you know, continue my junior career. Uh, but I actually was accepted into the, the business school here at UMass, which is pretty prestigious. And uh, my junior coach told me I'd be an absolute idiot if I didn't take the opportunity. And I had a coach who was a very good family friend of mine. His name is uh, Jamie McGarian. He's uh, one of our coaches. I called him. I'm like, so like, I'd love to come play club hockey. And so he came and watched me play at Marlboro, um, like in a summer showcase. And I had like four pizzas. I was like dash four. I was absolutely atrocious. Jamie pretty much told me after my skate, he came with coach DeFazio, uh, like our head coach. And he was like, yeah, like maybe a practice player, but like, you're probably not making our team. And I was just like crushed. So I had to like kind of grind in the off season to, to get it done. But here I am man. made it happen. How much knowledge did you have going into that? Because I think a lot of kids playing juniors, if they were told, oh, I'll just go play club here. Like, that's fine. And then to hear that from a coach, like, oh, like, buddy, you might not make this team. Like, did that like make you want to play even more knowing that like that's how competitive it was? Yeah, so my uh, my junior coach, Rob Bono, he ended up playing at UMass D1 back in his day. And uh, he told me, he's like, dude, like, the club hockey there is like legit. You have no idea. I'm like, oh, like that's crazy. And I didn't really know too many kids who played. But yeah, once he told me that, I was like, oh my God, like I really got to grind it out. And then I get to tryouts and there's like 80 kids and they're only taking, you know, like between like five and seven guys. I'm like, oh. So, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a humbling experience. Jamie's made me a lot better person these past four years. So can't complain. That's awesome. Dan, what about you? Where'd you grow up and how'd you end up at UMass? Yeah. So uh, I'm from Quincy, Mass, very much a Quincy, Mass native, only ever played town hockey growing up. My parents were very much against, you know, like moving on to a club team, all that. They were like, you know, my dad was on the board, my, he was my peewee coach, all that. Played at Quincy High, had it in my head my freshman, sophomore year that I'd probably, you know, move on to BC High or something like that. But I was playing there with my brother, so wasn't going to leave for those two years while I was on a line with him, which is pretty cool. And you play a couple of years with those guys and like those are your best friends growing up. I wasn't going leave coming into junior senior year i'm still wanting to play college hockey but out of a d2 public high school you know no one's reaching out you know i just wasn't getting any any sort of lanes or avenues for me to get anywhere with it talk to like coaches my like couple of family members that had played college hockey and you know telling me go the junior row go the prep row and i was just you know my brother was at umass i was ready to just kind of give up the game really and uh and 
just enjoy my four years here. But I heard about the team. I reached out to Coach DeFazio, um, sent him a little little film mashup that I I cooked up with my coach. And uh, I don't know, I guess he liked what he saw enough. He invited me to a captain's practice, came here, asked my brother if he knew anyone on the team. He was like, no, like, I don't know anything about him. I couldn't tell if I was going to be like playing with a bunch of house league guys or if I was going to get cut on the first day. Luckily, like right away, the guys were really welcoming and it was perfect fit for me. Haven't looked back since. Did you have music to your game film that you sent coach? It was one of those huddle like pre-made soundtracks. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> love it. Love it. I mean, you guys had a great run. Walk us through nationals last year. I want to start there. Really good run. I remember being in the rink when it went to overtime against Dakota College Botano. They end up winning it overtime. What was that feeling like afterwards? Was it like, uh, damn, to come so close and not get there? Or is it like, we're going to be an even better team next year? You know, our team last year, uber talented, like ridiculous talent. We had a, a senior class of like 12 guys who graduated in 2022 who are just a bunch of studs. Like the, some of the most skilled guys I've played with. And honestly, like we kind of thought we kind of had it made a little bit. Um, and we ended up, you know, beating the first two teams. We we're rolling. You know, we got to Dakota College and that was the ultimate test. They had a great goalie. And in the locker room after, obviously, we lost. It was one of the saddest sports experiences I've ever had. Like, you know, some of my best friends and some of Dan's best friends who, who went on to graduate, who didn't get the opportunity that we got this year to win a national championship. And, and they so deserved it. So I would say this year, we kind of did this for the guys uh, who graduated in years past, who potentially didn't get, you know, the looks, uh, for nationals because of COVID or kind of like the, the game last year. But uh, yeah, definitely did it for those guys. So last year for us, uh, even as juniors, um, that was our first year going, obviously, because of COVID our sophomore or freshman year and then no season our sophomore year. So we had only really heard about it from the older guys. Um, they had been down to Dallas the year before we came. They made it into semis and lost to Northeastern and still had that bitter taste in their mouths from that. So I think felt that that was their year. We all felt like we'd gone through a lot of misfortune the past two years. So this is our time not to come up short and yeah it was really tough seeing that unbelievably talented group but I think this year seeing that seeing guys that had been there before and still you know just like not being able to get through with it whether it was just bad luck or you know like a couple bad bounces in the game that definitely pushed us a little harder this year especially with all them in the crowd this this time around was was definitely a little bit of a motivation I feel like it was only fitting that like the pools come out and you guys had Dakota College in your pool to start things off what was the the feeling out process and that because you guys had arguably the toughest pool Dakota College Concordia and Florida Gulf Coast a team that you guys have already played before but what was like that that first thought when when the pools came out I don't know about everyone else I think that we're all on the same page saying like we wanted Dakota right away last year what we kind of agreed had happened to us a little bit was, you know, we had played trying before. We knew that was going to be a battle. The first game's always going to be big, but we got to Dakota. We didn't know anything about them. You get to the end of two games, you're buzzing, and you just think, like, you're going to walk into the semis. But that was a great little revenge for us. Um, we played hard against them last year. We, the shots were, like, 65 to 30 when they beat us. So really felt like we owed them one. So to get that one just got us going in the right step. Concordia, we really didn't know anything about. We just knew that they were solid and they definitely were. Um, but we knew we had to keep moving past them to get to Florida and having Florida at the end of that, you know, a team that's had our number all year pretty much since we've been here. That being the last game, we knew there was going to be no time to take off. So we just had to keep rolling. Yeah, Dakota was uh total revenge tour. And, and honestly, like it was a little bit of a feeling out process for both teams. Like, you know, it was a three, two game. It was a good fight. That was our pretty much our 
closest game or one of our closest games. You know, after that, obviously we beat Concordia and, uh, you know, they were, they had some studs on their team offensively, but, you know, we just kind of clicked at the right time. And um, in that Concordia game, our, one of our freshman goaltenders, uh, Ryan Delita, he's an absolute stud. Like he made some saves in the first like 10 minutes of that game that like should have went in on literally any other, you know, any other time that's going in. And then he ended up getting hurt. Our roommate, Tommy Haley ended up taking over uh, the last half of the game and uh, kind of taking over the rest of the tournament. Pool play was definitely tough, but I think it kind of molded us for uh, what we needed to do in the semis and the finals. I remember being behind the glass. You were up three to one. Dakota scores to make it three to two late. Uh, well, who was in net for you guys? And it was it Peterson. Yeah, it was Trey. His mask comes off. And the funniest thing about his mask coming off is he thought the whistle was going to blow and the whistle didn't blow for another like, I mean, it had to be four or five, six seconds. Everyone was just eating block shots. And then finally they blow the whistle. We were trying to figure out what was going to happen, but it felt like for a little bit, Dakota was going to get a penalty shot. Are they going to get a penalty? The longest I saw the refs meet for something that wasn't reviewed, because I know on rink one, the division one games, they had review. The refs, it felt like the longest time they were having a discussion about that. Have you guys seen anything like that? What was like the thought process on the bench? Did you guys know you're going to have to kill a penalty with 30 seconds to go? When that was going on, honestly, I mean, I've been playing hockey my whole life. I didn't even know that that was a rule and we didn't really see what happened. The Dakota guys were, were calling for a penalty shot and the refs were definitely a little confused i think i just remember jack and i were standing there talking to the refs and they wouldn't even speak to us till they had figured out what they were going to agree on and uh yeah scary moment we i mean i think either way i i almost wanted a penalty shot i liked our goalie and net you know trace a dog yeah we were we were looking at it turned it into a closer game than we wanted and kind of felt like a like a shift of momentum against us. We had the best three goalies in the tournament, I believe. And uh, even still, I think we were blocking like 30 shots a game. So I figured, you know, the way we were moving in, in the D zone, um, we'd be able to take care of it. And it was weird too. Cause like, I was like going over to like talk to Trey while the refs were, uh, were meeting and like, I would have been like freaking out. He was just like, yeah, I mean, if they give me a penalty shot, it's what it is. Like, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. like total ice in his veins, like the most confident kid on the ice uh, that game. So Definitely, uh, definitely a dog. Yeah, he he was unfazed the whole time because, uh, I mean, he was like dancing to the music. He was uh, the the Dakota College women's team was behind him, like banging on the glass. He was interacting with them, uh, very like Mark Andre Fleury vibes is what I was getting from him in that game. Trey is like the ultimate goalie. Like does like the craziest things. Like he'll just like kiss the goalpost when like it hits the post or like some some crazy like that. Loves interacting with the fans. He's like the biggest hockey guy I know. Like just loves the game so much. Loves being in the net. Yeah, I mean, we trust him. We we love having him in the net and uh, definitely helped us get to where we are. Concordia is a team that a, a lot of people didn't know anything about, aside from the fact that they had two of the highest point getters in all of ACHA Division Two. Some guys dropping down from their NCAA team. Was that a conversation you guys had in the locker room before the game? Did you watch any film on these guys or were you just like, hey, let's go, let's go play our game and, and not worry about them? So we ended up watching a little bit of their film from regionals and quickly we saw they had that kid Malcolmson who's like really, really good. You know, obviously he was like one of the top point getters in the country. And honestly, like our game plan going into that game, like we knew that they were just like wicked skilled. We were just going to outwork them and just kind of outgrind them in the corners. Like we played a really simple game of just like getting it over the red and just like hammering people in the corner. You know, we did that all five games and it worked. So we're like, why are we going to, you know, change up our game plan for Concordia when 
you know, it worked against Dakota, ended up working against Concordia, and then eventually, you know, worked in all three of the rest of the games. The way we played in nationals, I think, is a lot different than the way we'd play in our home barn, like regular season. Practice, especially, we were kind of a tic-tac-toe team. We'd never shoot from the slot. Everyone's trying to go for a backdoor pass. God, that Concordia game was a big part of it for us just realizing like we got to play the type of game that's not going to lose games for us like we we can win a skill game against most teams i mean that team was loaded on on offense so we just had to keep the puck off their sticks and just play a hard-nosed game throw the puck in the corners and just hit them all day and it started working so we just rolled with that and i think that's a pretty much the the main reason we were able to go all the way. And now you get to the third and final game of pool play which is always very interesting you just watched St. Thomas defeat you, Marion overtime and an empty night goal. Like, what was it like going into the game? Because you just saw this like Goliath statue go down. They were going for the three P. I think everybody had them picked to win. You see them lose in overtime just because of the way pool play works. Was that like added motivation? Like, hey guys, like the number one team is out. Like, it's kind of ours for the taking at this point. We were definitely interested in that game. Legitimately, you know, Dan can attest to this. We did not like look past Florida. Like, we just were like, we got to get past Florida before we worry about anything. It was pretty interesting to see uh, Mary go down. That's a great team. I mean, we wanted. St. Thomas, bottom line. And, you know, we had to take care of business against Florida first, but it ended up working out. Did you guys like know the spread ahead of time? Like, all right, we need to either, we need to win. We need to, if we, if we lose, we can't lose by this much. Was that a conversation or was it, Hey, let's just go out there and play hockey. Yeah, that was, I mean, it was definitely flying around the room. No one was completely sure. And, you know, we didn't even bother to check more than anything. We actually got shelled by Florida earlier in the year when we went down there and um, they came up and beat us in our own barn, which doesn't happen to often so you know we knew we could have probably lost by one but nobody really said it like it went around the room everyone was just like let's play our game we owe these guys one great great team like really fun to play against we definitely wanted to get the win against them so yeah we were playing to we were playing to win that one we weren't really going just to qualify it was uh just keep moving because you know it feels a lot better going into semis on a w than an ot loss i think yeah, that game was a, a very weird ending because I, I can't remember exactly, but didn't they pulled their goalie up by a goal, right? Because they needed to score one more. Is that what happened? We were up one with 17 seconds left and then I got a penalty and we ended up like we we're like oh my god like you know we're moving on we're gonna win the game and they tied it up with like 17 seconds left and then we're like oh my god like you know now what because we all kind of knew the scenario once like you know the the third period sounded we were just like oh like like are we gonna come back out for the for overtime like what are we doing the the Florida coach he's a great dude he kind of wanted to get his guys out there you know like kind of their last hurrah too for overtime just because you know get their seniors their last time ice and you know what like we have the utmost respect for that team. Like we play them legit four times a year. We felt that, you know, we would definitely go out there and play overtime. Uh, they got their last win against us. You know, they they took us 4-0. So, you know, I guess we got the national championship at the end, but they swept uh, they swept us pretty good this year. So it, it always gets very interesting on that last day of pool play. And this year was no different. So then you turn the page to the next day. You saw a, a St. Thomas team that, you know, showed they could play with the best and they knocked off you, Mary. What was it like going to that game, final game? game of the tournament for you guys on rink seven watching them play uh the day before against mary seeing that they didn't seem as big or as fast as us um from the stands or from off the ice you know obviously they had something they had a little bit of heart that was getting them through games so we just said like we have a good team too and we've been playing our hardest hockey so you know it's going to be a battle but we're not going to look any deeper into them like just you know it's another game we got to keep moving i talked to 
one of the kids on the way out after our, our last our game against them and just like congratulated him on the year and everything. And he was just like, man, your four check guys, like you guys were relentless, you know, every, every, everywhere you looked like there was a UMass guy before any other St. Thomas guys. And that was just what we tried to do. We tried to just crowd anyone out from playing their game and kind of dominate. Yeah, kind of to add to that to the forecheck part of it too. Like I would say last year, you know, we were definitely like hard on pucks. We were more of a skilled team and we played like a skilled game. It took us until probably like late January, early February to realize like this year, like we have a skilled team, but like that's not the way we're going to win games. The game we realized that we just had like a bunch of dogs on the forecheck was against Liberty. It was our senior night. They came up to us for senior night. We play them a couple times a year. You know, some of the alumni are like, dude, like, do you guys really want to play Liberty on your senior? night like you know how's that gonna go we're like yeah like we like our guys and we were just like monsters on the four check like we got guys like colby magliozzi who's just like got the biggest legs at the university of massachusetts just a monster nick salvatore like we just had like a couple kids who just like hammer people in the corners and we're like oh maybe this could work it ended up working all five games including the uh, st thomas game and so now you guys advance you're playing on rink one probably the most like historic rink maybe not historic rink but growing up in new england everybody has played on rink one in marlborough what is the mindset like one knowing how much support you guys were going to get the next day and two the idea that like you're you're playing in a rink that you're very familiar with on a really big stage was that like an adjustment like this isn't a sunday in april where you're just playing for you know the chowder cup or something like that like this is the national championship game did you have to kind of tune out the fact that it was like a home game for you guys like what was that adjustment like me personally i didn't really feel the uh the adjustment just because like i used to just go out there and get shelled in juniors against like the junior Bruins on rank one so it was pretty sweet to uh to get back out there and get a win like when we came out there and like saw the crowd like in rank seven where we were for like most of the games like it was pretty packed like all the way around but to go out there and see like like a high school type like crowd it was just unbelievable like especially like at home too it almost didn't feel like home ice aside from the crowd like going into it i think i was a little jittery because we had gotten so used to rink seven uh like our little back corner rink i think we just felt comfortable there and for me at least going into this new this new ice was just like oh shit do we have to change our game plan um you know like once you get out there it's like oh i've played here a million times yeah it was cool to to finally get a win there because I think Jack and I have had some belts against each other back in the day on that ice, but nothing ever really came out my way. And back in like U16s, things like that, state tournaments. Uh, so it was cool to finally get the last one at that rink. Hate to do my boy like this, but uh, U14 year, Dan and I, we ended up going uh, going to blows in the state semifinal of like split season. And we beat them and we ended up winning the state. And we went to nationals in Salt Lake City. We didn't know that until I think it was may- maybe like our freshman year, like halfway through our freshman year. He's like, oh my God, like you played for the rifles and like, it was just so funny, but yeah. So little, uh, little tidbit about our our friendship here. That's awesome. And you mentioned having the jitters, uh, Jack. Does that? I imagine that the jitters go away when you score a goal. You know, fifty eight seconds into the national championship game, like you did. Yeah. So I'm used to drilling shin pads. So like that's usually not my game. But you know, the puck happened to find its way through, and I didn't think it went in honestly so i was like getting ready to go back to the bench and then i you know heard everybody go crazy me and dan talk about this pretty often like oh like act like you've been there before we're not there that often you know what i mean like you gotta you gotta show out for the crowd um so i had to throw a little little celebration in there but it was surreal it was surreal to to score a goal in that game yeah when you got all the cameras out when you got herm in the stands taking pictures everyone wants to be thomas mill and going up to the crowd i mean that could i think he had 
three pictures every game of him selling in front of a different crowd. So yeah, everyone wants to have that post at the end of the year. Yeah, you got to take what you can get when you score like six goals a year from us. Yeah, Jack, actually, he didn't even know the puck went in the net. He was just celebrating because it didn't hit a shin guard. And then they told him afterwards that it went in, right? It's it's actually like hilarious because that kid, Thomas Milne, like he was on like my power play unit for most of the year. And he's like, dude, like you're actually like killing it, like drilling shin pads. Like that is like your game. And I'm like, all right, dude, like whatever. Like I got, I got to figure this out one day. So I ended up getting a couple goals at nationals, but uh, I had to stick it to Milne like on the bench when we got back because I was like, I finally put one through. I mean, he practically like took his his shirt off for his celebration. Like I, he looked like one of the Bash brothers in the Mighty Ducks movie. He's actually like one of the biggest like big time players I've ever been around. Like he scores like these crazy goals. Like we were down at Liberty playing Trine and we we're down 4-1 like with not too much time left. And uh, we end up coming back, taking it to overtime. Thomas Milne with you know, the goal in overtime and just like the heartbreak, Sally, I was just like, oh, dude, this kid is ice. Like it was ridiculous. But uh, yeah, so he's he's a big time player for sure. All right. So the, the, the clock's running out. You guys are, are in control of this one for nothing. I mean, how how cool was that? I mean, it, we kind of got like the, the Minnesota State Tournament, Sally. You guys just kind of booked it right to where all the UMass fans were. Like like you mentioned, Herms there snapping a million photos. The, they were unbelievable. Just the images of you guys in front of the crowd. What, what was that moment like? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Like family in the crowd, all our friends from school made the trip out. Um, I know on my last shift, I think there was like a minute 30 left. I uh, We were down the other side and some of my buddies that don't even go to UMass, just buddies from home that I grew up playing with, um, like my line mates from mites all the way to high school were sitting in the corner there. I just gave them a wink. They started laughing. I was like, we had it in the bag and you know, everyone's just kind of jumping on the bench to get over there. And it, yeah, like you don't even think about it. It's just like right back to the UMass corner. You know, they were there supporting us the whole time. You had to had to celebrate with them. And plus a lot of the guys from last year, years before, uh, been so good to us. We're in there. So, you know, like trophies for them, too. So we had to had to bring that over to them. I ended up having the puck with like, you know, like 10 seconds left. And so I kind of like skated it back like to the crowd. And uh, I looked at my roommate, the, the goalie, Tommy Haley. And I was just like, yeah, we'll just go right over here. What do you think? The buzzer sounded and it was, it was pretty cool. Like we got on Zoom mass, like me and Tommy just like literally like a, like hugging each other, going crazy. It was surreal. I mean, you really can't ask for like a better a story of like ending to your hockey career in our final year. We finally got it done. In between the second and the third period, were the scratches in there getting their skates on already yeah we spread the word to them uh tried to keep it secret we got an we had two locker rooms so they all kept their bags in uh in the other room you know tried to keep everyone you know focused on the game i think it was there's probably 10 minutes left in the in the third and uh we hadn't scored that last goal yet but we had just killed off a penalty and i was trying to get their attention from the bench just giving them a nod like come on boys let's go like we have 35 guys on our roster so many like guys but everyone contributes you know i think everyone plays a game like everyone had a few points on the year um but like they practice hard with us a lot of those guys shocking to not be in the lineup they'll do some great things next year so you know it was good to have them out there like on the ice with us in full gear wearing the jersey we could throw any one of those kids who are not in uniform like for the five games in the game and like you wouldn't notice a difference it's just like who's rolling who's hot who's not it, it was probably like a different experience for them like at least as freshmen for like me and dan like we played in most of the games like there wasn't really like a, a ton of scratches i mean there's legit like 15 kids in the stands every game so it's like you know these kids go from being like their studs in height like all the kids on our team like going from like studs at their high school or like their ncaa college to being like you know like fighting for a spot and like 
we were the same way, you know, sophomore, junior year. Um, but it's definitely surreal to have, you know, 35 of your like best friends come onto the ice and celebrate a national championship, even, you know, playing, not playing hurt, whatever it is. Uh, it's still amazing. Yeah. I, I said it to our coach. Uh, I think like before I'd even taken my skates off, I said something to him, just like, I'm getting out of here at the right year. Cause I don't think I'd be touching the ice next year <laughs> with all the recruits that are coming in. It gets, it really gets better every year. I mean, like picking the team this year was just tough. They, you know, you gotta make some tough decisions on guys skating out there. You're like, this kid would probably skater skate circles around me but um it's just gonna keep getting better and all those younger guys are just gonna gonna hopefully keep keep the ball rolling now that your careers are over looking back i know you guys mentioned you went down to florida gulf coast like what are some memories maybe off the ice that you're always going to remember about umass hockey so there was this place that we went for two years when we were down at florida gulf coast you know obviously the hockey part of it is unreal you get to go to play at florida and there's it's always like a packed barn most of the time you you're you're trying to get to sunday too uh when we kind of have like our travel day we had this place that we used to go to called the lani kai it was like destroyed in a hurricane like last year so we didn't get to go this year but some of the best memories of of college came from the lani kai a lot of guys didn't make it out of the battle from the lani kai we had to uh fireman carry a couple kids to the uh to the airport we ripped up the lani kai for for a lot so rest in peace to the Lonnie Kai. A lot of the, the the memories of hockey or outside of hockey come on those traveling trips where it's kind of like, oh, I got to miss the weekend at school. You know, like all your friends are going out, going to the bars and stuff. And you, you feel like you're you're stuck on a business trip for the weekend. But um, a lot of great memories, especially like we took vans down to Liberty past couple of years, couple 13 passenger vans with smelly hockey gear in the back you know just the ride with the boys is always hilarious our sophomore year that was our whole season we had three games down there they were getting ready to go to natties and that was our natties we were just playing three scrimmages against them and then you know it, it probably didn't take it as seriously as we could have because uh or after every game we were um over at the hill city pub right next to our hotel just slugging beers and i think by the third day we actually drank them out of bud light <laughs> that's unbelievable so you guys didn't play during that covid year but by spring semester they, they let you travel down to liberty to play a couple exhibitions you know we we ended up getting a, getting the opportunity to travel so we had three games down at liberty and like that was like the cup finals like we were like kind of practicing here and there and uh you know we went down to liberty like we're gonna kick the bag off these kids and like like this is it this is like our season and like the seniors that year were such a huge part of like like getting the program where it is today and we're like we need to win this for the seniors and uh yeah there was like a person and a half in the stands like dan's dad is just going insane in the stands other than that like not that many people there but it was awesome to just at least get three games in that year yeah uh we did go one and two jack's not gonna mention this he's too humble did have a OT backhand wraparound in the last game. So we went out went out with a W, which is great for the guys moving on and everything. Yeah, he hasn't stopped trying the backhand since, the backhand wraparound. I've never seen it from anyone else. Yeah, so I actually played forward for three years at UMass. You know, my role identified as just like going headfirst into the boards, like on the four check. So I pretty much would just go in there and just like hammer people in the corners and I finally hit that wraparound sophomore year. And then junior year, I tried, like, every time I had the puck on my stick, like, I could be on the power play with, like, like seven guys open, I wrapped the puck. And, like, it worked, like, maybe, like, 24% of the time, like, nothing too crazy. Going back to D, I think it was probably a good move for me. I played D, like, my whole life. So I definitely missed the uh, sitting on the blue line and watching the boys cook down low. You guys mentioned uh, clocky week, which I think is the perfect word 
for this because I I always tell guys like the freshmen because I know at Syracuse like they can't live in the dorms that week back so they got to live with us at our house and I tell them I was like guys that is the most fun week of the year there's nothing like hanging out with the guys all day and practicing no schoolwork I mean it sounds like it's a pretty similar situation with you guys in Amherst same thing for us it's a it's a week where you know the younger guys can't move into their their dorm so they sleep on couches or floors or whatever whatever they can get at the older guy's house and uh the group that we had stayed at um one of the house, Scotch Rock's old house actually when we were freshmen actually turned out to be our roommates now it's uh myself Jack CJ Spillane and Tommy Haley um all would just crash on their couch. Tommy would sleep on the floor. He said there might have been a mouse or two running around near his head at night. It was cool. Yeah. Now now to be able to like give back to the younger guys, show them what it's like to to live off campus for a couple of weeks. We actually had I think two and a half weeks this year. It's great. You know, you, you you can only get to know the guys so much at practice and you know, like going out when you get to live with a couple extra guys on a team um for a while. A lot of good stories. Yeah, like one like pretty good story um like we do like our secret santa like during clocky week and so we had it at our house here um in amherst obviously it gets pretty crazy you know the night gets late and so we woke up in the morning like i walked out of my bedroom it looked like like a scene in the hangover where like there's like tigers walking around and whatever and like there's this kid like sleeping on the floor like like one of the freshmen on our team i'm like yo like do you hear that can you hear like what's going on and he's like dude what he wakes up and there's like something like crawling around on the floor and like i have no idea what it is he's like oh my god it's a raccoon it has to be a raccoon and he starts running like around the house trying to find this raccoon he's like i know what they sound like it ended up being like the squirrels in our walls we have like at our house obviously you know we don't pay enough rent money so we gotta have squirrels in our walls but yeah it was it was pretty funny he thought he was like uh like one of the raccoon finders of from the discovery channel that's amazing that we, we mentioned it you mentioned it a little bit earlier i think dan said that you guys are pretty good on home ice walk us through mini mullen like what's that like playing in a rink on i think you guys have like best case scenario like if you have an ncaa team nobody wants to play in a, in a giant rink with you know a bunch of empty seats you guys get a rink on campus that is pretty good size for you guys yeah it's it's perfect for us. I mean, it's it's about like the size of a smaller high school rink. I personally think even the Mullen Center is, might be a little too big for the D1 team. It's I mean, it's it's massive and it's tough to fill for them. So it really looks empty. Uh, you can hear an echo from anywhere in there if we were playing. But for us, it's like, you know, you get a couple people's parents in the stands, um, a couple of your buddies and it's it's BYOB. So we get a good fan section. Everyone gets rowdy. Uh, we've always played pretty well there and um, it's always fun to get a win and go out with everyone after. So, yeah. It's great to have, you know, just a small crowd, but everyone's there to support and you get to see them after the game, which is fun. We mentioned having NCAA team on campus. I heard a story that you guys did the team hat order through Selly Hockey and the hats were so popular that the NCAA guys had to get their hands on them. It's it's funny. Like we're actually like pretty good buddies with uh, with most of the team. Like we go out with them. Like obviously they're on a really strict schedule, but like during their off season, you know, we're out with them all the time. Like they go to the same bar as us and we, you know, we all hang out. But yeah, they love the hats so much. It's funny. Like we were at the bar a couple of weeks ago and like a couple of them were wearing the hats and like, oh, like congrats on the national championship. And obviously they know about it they they won a national championship two years ago which is just insane um so it's pretty cool like we got to share that experience with them of like winning the national title and starting to wrap things up i mean jack you have plans after college that are are unlike anybody we've had on the podcast before kind of walk us through what what you're planning on doing after graduation and, and maybe how you decide to do that 
during the summer of my freshman year, I decided, so my father, he was uh, uh, in, in law enforcement for 34 years and uh, he was a first responder on 9-11. That was always something that kind of like resonated with me and sat with me uh, my whole life. I didn't know specifically what I wanted to do. I thought maybe one of the service academies would have been best for me, but uh, you know, I ended up at UMass and um, you know, I got in touch with a, with a, my recruiter, who's a great guy, Captain Harris, joined the Marine Corps. And so the last two summers, I went to what they call officer candidate school. So it's two six-week stints during your summer of just getting acclimated with military lifestyle and uh, being a Marine. You definitely have your, your fair share of stories from those, just getting your uh, getting your ass kicked. Ultimately, upon graduation, I'll uh, I'll commission as, a, as an officer in the Marine Corps, and uh, I'll go down to Quantico, Virginia, go to the basic school for officers. And uh, I have at least a four-year contract, and you know, I'm, I'm so excited to be able to serve my country. And, you know, obviously with my father being a first responder on 9-11, it really sat with me because we had family friends who who passed away. You know, it was always something I knew I, I had to do. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so honored that I'm able to serve my country in this way. That's awesome. I remember when we, we tweeted the video of you scoring in the, in the national championship game, somebody sent us a DM. It was like, you got to get him on. Like he, he's going to be a Marine a- after this is all over. And I'm like, oh, that's that's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I tip my cap to, to you and, and for your father's service as well. That's that's an awesome story, but I wanted to give you guys both the chance to, to wrap up before we go here. Dan, any thank you, shout outs you want to give to people who helped you along the way at UMass ACHA Hockey? I would just start with the coaches, you know, Mike DeFazio, Jamie McGarrion, Anthony Ayer, Coach Cookie, Scott Cook. They all, you know, they do it for not a lot of money, if any. And what they give into the program is is a lot more than they get. Winning it was, I think, one of the coolest things to see was how exciting it was for them too. Um, we're all still kids at heart and you can definitely see that on DeFaz's face when we won. You know, this is something that they work really hard for. You know, above hockey, just just teaching us how to be, uh, you know, good people and how to have a good time and, you know, work hard at something was uh, definitely something that I'll keep with me for a long time. I'd like to shout out uh, definitely a, a couple people. Um, first being my brother, Michael. He plays hockey at uh, Pope Francis High School in Massachusetts. He ended up winning the D1 state title two days before we won our national title. And then a couple days after we won our national title, he won the high school national title. So we got three titles in eight days in my house. Haven't seen that much success ever out of our household. So, you know, we'll take that. You know, obviously I want to thank the coaches, you know, my family and, uh, you know, all the time and money they put into me playing hockey and drilling shin pads i think it was all worth it in the end so you know i, I definitely want to thank them uh and all our friends who, who popped out can't forget uh rob kearney our trainer he's one of the coolest guys i've ever had the pleasure of meeting um came from uh the arnold games over the weekend flew back out to marlboro to come watch us take it home after deadlifting like 976 pounds on sunday so yeah just a, just a really inspiring dude um great to have him around it, it's awesome to see uh just a guy like that you know somebody somebody who's really done a lot and um, is known on a lot like a big stage. I know there was a lot of comments about him just sneaking in the background of our championship picture and everyone's like, why is no one talking about this? Uh, but so somebody for that, that scale, that like notoriety just to put his time in for us um, is really cool. So I want to thank him as well. Awesome. Well, hey, we, we appreciate you guys taking the time uh, again. Congrats on, on a heck of a run at UMass and uh, congratulations on going out on top. Thank you, man. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on, man. Awesome job from the fellas at UMass. Heck of a season for those guys. Jack McGrath heading off to service country after graduation is an unbelievable story. Just some great guys. I, I'm bummed out. As a journalist, I feel like it's on me. I didn't get to ask them about UMass and, and the reputation that UMass has as a party school. They have Blarney Stone, which is a huge St. Patrick's Day darty. 
in Amherst. And unfortunately we didn't get to talk to them about that because the stories from this season and years past were just flowing, but heck of a season by those guys. So such a cool moment for them to bring home the title on, on home ice in Massachusetts. Collins, did you get the chance to talk to any of the UMass guys while we were in Marlboro? I did not. Unfortunately, I would have liked to, I didn't even get the chance to, to film them. I kind of feel bad because I think that was definitely one team that was on my radar that I just forgot. Yeah. And thank you for your future service, Jack. It's uh, that's huge. It's hit or miss every year. You know, we do the national tournament preview and we pick the teams that we think are going to win and we tend to follow them along and UMass just kind of flew under the radar there in, in that group and had an awesome season. We do have an ACHA Burgers Blow of the Week with the Men's Division 1 All-Stars over in Romania, Team USA and Team Canada. Team Canada had the 10-3 win over Poland, but USA had the blowout of the week defeating Sweden their opening matchup 11 to 1 to kickstart an unbelievable run by the american squad we got some more talking points to cover and first and foremost we want to say thank you very much to all of our followers uh the hockey house instagram page hit 30,000 followers last week just remarkable as i was talking with my roommates and i remember being in the dorm celebrating 3,000 followers and i and we made a graphic for 3,000 and uh you know the next one was five and five came and you blink and now we're at 30 and it's just unbelievable. And we, we hope to continue to grow and we want to thank everyone who's been a part of it. Collins, you were a key part of that with the videos and nationals and Herm's been a huge part of that with the photos and thousand puzzle pieces that go into the, the end of the day project that people get to see on on the instagram but that's kind of our, our bread and butter that's that's where we like to get the pucks in deep it's been a wild ride i think i came on i first got involved with the pod i think around 10k it's been all uphill from there but murph i really think you you sell yourself short sometimes on on how much work you do and i know herm and i praise you a lot for it but i mean this this thing would just not run the way it does with you so um this thing is all you and that's what the cake was for in the in the instagram post i'm gonna i'll go enjoy a slice of that that wegman's cake even 10k it's like once we got it to 10k it's like all right maybe it gets to 15 and now to double that is it's crazy so and we're having we i tell everybody like we're having a blast doing it it, it is a lot of work sometimes more than happy to keep doing it and keep growing the brand we want to get more podcast followers maybe we can get this thing on youtube soon that might be a summer project but definitely want to shout out the og followers who have been with us since day one and the new new guys uh of course but uh we've got a book a new book i actually have the the most recent ACHA book. I actually, I still haven't read this. This has got to be on the summer reading list, but somebody tweeted at us that they saw it in Barnes and Noble. Thin Ice by Ryan Minkoff. We had him on earlier. A hockey journey from unknown to elite and the gift of a lifetime. I still got to read that, but we had him on the pod. So I feel like I heard some of the main stories he told, but we got a new book. It's called Iowa State Hockey and Al Murdoch Building a Dream reflects on more than 40 years that Al Murdoch spent involved with the Iowa State hockey program in Ames. Um, He helped build the team up as a student. He coached there. He was actually the ACHA's first president, which is funny that we bring that up because Collins, you and I were just researching. We were looking at the national tournaments pre-ACHA. So Al Murdoch came in. That's where the Murdoch Cup gets his name. Uh, He was a huge advocate for the ACHA while representing the association as the USA Hockey Director. He eventually led the ACHA's first delegation to the World University Games, and he earned more than 1,000 wins with the Cyclone hockey team, including the 1992 National Championship. Doc is still very active with the ACHA. 
um, and has been on the board of directors for a couple of years now. You can find him at all the national tournaments, but man, to see the history of Iowa State hockey, we, people keep asking us now that you know the offseason's underway, but hopefully the gears can start turning over in Ames and we can get that program back on the ice. But that brings us to the question of the week. Collins, I'm curious, what is the last book that you read? So I had to read this book for an extra credit assignment for my econ class, but I am so glad I did. And I highly recommend anybody who is interested in, you know, working harder, like having trouble finding that next gear for, of motivation and somebody who's looking to, to try and get as good as possible at whatever their specialization may be, whether it be hockey or maybe it's your profession. Grit by Angela Duckworth. Incredible book. Uh, she delves into everything from like the psychology behind grit and what makes grit because we hear that a lot as hockey players. And I always kind of thought, oh, grit is oh, that toughness, but it's a whole lot more than that. And I, I don't want to tell you what it is, but it's a hell of a book and I highly recommend anybody read it. That's a heck of a book report right there, Collins. Nice job there. How, how long ago did you read that one? Like two weeks ago. There you go. I had to read the book and write the report on it in a week. So great book. It was it was grueling. I had to read a couple of books recently for, for class, but the last one that I read casually and just finished the other day was Fans First by Jesse Cole. If that name sounds familiar, that's the, the guy in the yellow tuxedo who's behind the Savannah Bananas magic. Really cool look at you know how you can drop more people into whatever you're doing, how you can be a better team. Basically, it takes the business side of baseball and you can attributed to anything like I, I try to bring on some of the things that we do with the podcast from the that those book he had the original one was the man in the yellow tuxedo so this is kind of the sequel to that the magic like i mentioned behind the savannah bananas and what makes them so successful so definitely worth checking out uh, that was what I most recently finished. But while we pick up the pucks here, Collins, I know you got to watch the game today. Lots of people talking about the World Cup of University Hockey. The one thing that I had was that I just wish more people could have seen this game between USA and Canada, showcasing the best players that the ACHA has to offer. And I know it was five bucks for the stream, but that's tough to shell out. It would have. I, I can only imagine the viewership that that would have had if that was just a free game on YouTube today. Yeah, I think I think it. it would have done really, really, really well. It was a bit of a bummer that the commentary was in Romanian, but then again, when the commentary was in English, it was kind of weird. Those had to have been Romania guys that were doing it in English. You could tell that English wasn't their first language. We got some electric calls. Like when, when Canada took the lead in that game against the Czechs, everyone was loving that clip, and it was like, see, benga, goal, Canada. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was it was pretty cool. But yeah, like I mentioned, it, it was it would have been amazing if, if other people could have seen this. And I mean, if it was at like a perfect time too, especially for students like oh, imagine yeah, just having that having that open in an extra tab while you're in class. Oh, my God. Yeah, that would have been insane. What do you got this week for for wrapping it up, picking up pucks? It feels like Baseball slash softball has has been a, a relatively common theme throughout this episode. So I'm going to I'm going to wrap it up with this. You know, after losing in softball this this week, I, I did a lot of self-reflection because uh, that loss was just heartbreaking. I have come to the realization that hockey players are either some of the most athletic people you'll ever meet or just straight up the most unathletic people you'll ever meet. And I feel like that's kind of 
due to the nature of the sport, like a lot of kids like specialize in hockey when they're young and they don't know like how to throw a baseball. But it is just wild. Some of how some of my friends can't even swing a baseball bat. It is wild. Do you guys do you have guys like that over at uh, over at Syracuse? I was just thinking this because I saw one of my roommates throw a baseball for the first time the other day and I was horrified in terms of being an athlete. I feel like how you can throw a ball is like base level stuff, right? Like baseball first, like I get like not everyone can throw a football, but like you should be able to throw a football, but like baseball and but I I was like, oh, I was like this. This guy hasn't touched a glove in a while now. Uh, But it's funny you say that because I do think that people maybe underestimate hockey players too because it's a sport that not many people follow along but does require a lot of athleticism especially in the lower body and the core so i almost think people it's hit or miss people either expect hockey players like oh you might be really good at this or they're like oh you're a hockey player you're gonna be terrible at this like for instance i'm a horrendous basketball player i think it's a red flag if you're a hockey player who's good at basketball i think that that means you you skipped a stage of development because i've never had it people used to joke like you can tell a hockey player on the basketball court just by the way they shoot. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh yeah, I suck at basketball. I'm horrible. I am so bad. And like going like in high school, like we would always, you know, like go play pickup basketball and I was always the last one picked cuz I just sucked at basketball. It's absolutely baffling. It's such a demanding sport, but uh you'd think, you know, maybe some other kids, you know, might have learned how to throw a baseball when they were 5 years old, but I guess that that never happened. If we got any if we got any under 10s listening to this episode of the podcast, keep with the multi-sports. Multi-sport athletes, like Wayne Gretzky always said, we got to do a feature on that. We've got a handful of ACHA multiple dual sport athletes. I saw Concordia had a guy, I think they have a guy on their baseball team, which is cool, and I'm sure there's plenty of other examples. Is it Sebastian Smith from Adrian? I think he's a tennis player too. We'll have to do something, but get into the multi-sport athletes. Guys staying busy in the offseason, but we love to see that. We'll be back with some more episodes though. We're going to keep the offseason momentum rolling here. Looking to do some more interviews with guys coming back from Romania. Some guys and, and girls from the national tournaments. Really look forward to an offseason. Good luck for everybody as we start to get into the uh, final exams period, the end of the semester. It's around the corner. Enjoy the fresh air while we're at it. Once again, thank you for everyone listening in. Be sure to follow at Hockey House Pod, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And we will see you next week. See you, Murph.